Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Hello, and welcome to the Static Void yes. Podcast. I'm Jess Chadwick. I'm Todd Snyder. And I'm Chris Gomez. And we are your hosts. We're recording this on the evening of January 20th, 2016, and yesterday, Microsoft announced that they are officially renaming the new version of the .NET and ASP.NET frameworks to .NET Core 1.0 and ASP.NET Core 1.0, respectively. So tonight, we're going to talk about uh, what this new set of stuff is that's coming out and try and break it all down and see what all of it really means to us developers who are actually going to be consuming it. Uh, so Chris, wh- what, what is your take on this? What, what was your immediate reaction when you, uh, first read this, this blog post? I thought it was a little late in the game to, uh, to, to reintroduce it again, because you remember, um, almost two years ago now at TechEd in 2014, they sprung upon the world that, Hey, we're, we're rewriting ASP.net, essentially what they said. And for a while we were calling it VNext. And they said, no, 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 we're going to call it ASP.NET 5. And that kind of seemed like that was end of story, right? But uh, we're, what, just a couple months from RTM here. And there's been a pretty a pretty major renaming, not just to ASP.NET 5, which now is called ASP.NET Core 1.0, but really everything. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Todd? What'd you think? I guess my initial thought I was less concerned about the 1.0 or the fact of keeping ASP.NET. The part that kind of really, in, I'd say annoyed me, but concerned me more than anything else is .core. Because I've been calling the thing .core, so .net, .core, or ASP.NET .core. Because one of the big things that was outlined, there's lots of confusion about what is ASP.NET 5, what does it relate to 4.6. And to me, putting the word core in doesn't solve that problem. It actually, to me, makes it much worse. Having it a 1.0 release sort of makes some sense, but having the word core, it seems to apply is what else is going to happen? Is more stuff going to get put in the core? And so it seems like there could yeah. be even more confusion. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I wish they would have came up with a little more creative name. I mean, we always people used to always joke about that knowing they had Avalon and Indigo and stuff, how those names were very catchy, but then they ended up coming up with WCF and WPF. So I guess we yeah. could have had the Windows Web Framework, WWF or something. <laughs> Um, like I said, I, I'm it, less bugs me about having ASP.NET stick in there, but the word core, it just seems like it's going to come back to bite them someday that it'll be end up some, being something else. Yeah. Core meant something, you know, I mean, when they were discussing .NET core, you sort of had this understanding that, Hey, this is a smaller version of the full framework. It's not a hundred megs. Um, it's going to be great for a cloud scenario and, and tiny VMs. Uh, but then the whole thing is called core ASP.NET core, but ASP.NET yeah, core 1.0 yeah. can run on the .NET framework 4.6. Yeah, that that, that was still not clear. It's like it's very confusing. Is ASP.NET core can that run on .NET 4.6 and core CLR or sorry core .NET? Because yeah. to me that was always the idea. I had that choice, and now it's like, is that yeah. choice gone? It seems right. confusing. I mean, if you're willing to read the blog post and look at the this this you know the revamped slide, then you can see that yes, you can run it on full framework four point six, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's ASP.NET Core. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have you, you associate a name, and I always quite too back in the the days of Silverlight 
they actually had something called core CLR, which is what Silverlight ran on. So again, it just right. seems like they've used this word core before. Um, I actually think there's some assemblies in like Vista that were called core. So it just seems like that that word has such a meaning to developers and things that I just feel like it's going to be even more and more confusion. Um, the other problem is I, someone was talking to some developers today about this, and they said one of the things that, that concerned them was people have been used to trying to search about ASP.NET 5 and find information and things. Now they're going to have to start Googling for something else. And so they're going to not find stuff that's already out there. If they go to Stack Overflow, there'll be all this, like, things will be, some list of things will be ASP.NET 5, some will be called Core. It just seems like, like Chris, you said it, it's kind of like six months ago they should have came up with a name. <laughs> so. Well, the, you know, you're right up. You're, you're on to something about maybe the word Core. Like, if I, if I maybe be a little naive and say, let's just, let's just say instead of core, it said Shazam, right? And who cares what Shazam is? It's some yeah. catchy brand. I always use the word zebra. <laughs> yeah. You could say ASP.NET Shazam 1.0 runs on .NET Framework 4.6, but it also runs on .NET Core 1.0. Does that help? I think it's clean, clear. Or, or would that .NET Core 1.0 also need to be like .NET Shazam, where Shazam is, look, man, we've started over. It's awesome now. It's awesome and tiny. We got rid of so much cruft and baggage. You're going to love us so much. Well, I think that's it. That That is it right there. Like We have started over. This is a This is a brand new framework. And so the thing that's really confusing is that it borrows so much from the old one, including maybe not code. I'm, I think there is a little bit of literal code borrowing, but at, at some of the APIs, some of the libraries, right? So when you go to the, 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 the file library, right? Or the file API or the system.io API, like they're there and they're the similar classes that you, uh, that you've known and loved this whole time with the full.net, but they're completely rewritten. They're completely from scratch, right? And so it is a brand new framework that looks incredibly like the old one. And then when you, that's the core.net framework. And there I go using core. And I didn't really mean that to be any (laughs) significance, but I meant, you know, the the base class libraries, right? The stuff that. Common language runtime kind of things. The BCL that's really important. Yeah. Exactly. It's at the foundation of everything that you do. And that's the stuff that you build your applications on top of. And then you go up, up to ASP.NET. And now ASP.NET introduces things for working with web applications, handling web requests. And, um, but it's not ASP.NET anymore, right? So when ASP.NET first came out, it was ASP.NET Web Forms. And that had a whole pipeline with HTTP modules and handlers. And none of that is, is there at all anymore. Yeah, it's totally right? different. And so... Paradigm. It's a completely different pipeline, but a lot of the API, or I don't know about a lot in terms of you know quantity, but many of the same concepts are there, right? So you still have an HTTP request, you still have an object that's a request and a, a, an object that's a response, and you might even have some of the same property names, but it's a completely new object rewritten from scratch, and so I don't think that's really helping things either because it is it's a brand new framework that looks a whole lot like the old one. Right. So like in some ways it looks closer to node than it does the old ASP.NET. And in other ways it looks exactly like the old ASP.NET. And it's just very confusing coming from, you know, 10, 15 years of ASP.NET development. It comes, it's kind of confusing to kind of figure out which is which. So I've been thinking a little bit about uh, .NET being announced in 2000 
Um, and I just have pretty vivid memories of that because I was at that PDC and it was kind of a bombshell dropped on that audience and all in the span of one show, right? One conference, they basically told developers, Hey, um, VB, there's not going to be a VB seven. Instead, no visual basic.net <laughs> is now a first class language. And they use that terminology of first class language, right? They said it's, we've got this new.net framework and VB isn't a, isn't a, a stepchild. It's a first class co-evolving language right along with this new C sharp guy, which is just a language that we are inspired from C and C plus plus. And Java. You know, they never said, they, yeah, right. They never said <laughs> I Java. I was holding that but, back too. And Java. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and you know, the funny thing about it is at that conference, everyone was excited. Um, the .NET name, the only thing that I think most of the attendees agreed upon was that the .NET name was kind of horrible because they said, you know, how does that make sense with the internet? You can't register .NET. Now, I'm just saying this is what we yeah, said yeah, no, I remember at the conference. Problem. These were the things that we said around the, the breakfast table when you're meeting attendees, right? And yet looking at it 16 years later, it's been phenomenally successful. That Microsoft got us all, those of us who worked at that time either worked primarily in MFC, ATL, and COM in C++, or you worked in VB6, and they got those two very disparate groups of developers to move together to .NET and to love them for it, which is remarkable, frankly. It really is. And they also got the, the classic ASP developers to move to this ASP.NET because it was just similar enough. There were still session objects and, and request objects and response objects. Uh, but oh, by the way, we have this visual basic like experience and web form. So, so, you know, wonderful for you visual basic guys. Now you can make websites. Your boss has been asking you, how do we get browser based? Here you go. And we loved them for it. And now I, I just feel a lot of consternation this time around. Yeah. That's an interesting parallel because this is actually incredibly similar except in the ways that are really frustrating right so at least when in the switch from asp to asp.net it was it wasn't touted as like the same framework only a little bit better and and, and slimmed down right it was here's a brand new thing and it's got you can run your asp.net pages on it for as a as a as a migration path right but it's a different model and mm -hmm. it's a different language and it's a different way of interacting you know the in asp.net or in, in asp you wrote all of your code in the page, and then in ASP.NET and web forms, you now can have code behind and all of this mm -hmm. stuff, right? Just a different way. Yep. And plus, you've now got this pipeline and everything. So, in yep. one way, in, in in this in this now next version or whatever this new framework, now the pipeline is completely different, but the code is almost exactly the same, except for the parts where it's not, where it's really just annoying. Yeah. It's so, just so, different enough that you have to rewrite a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's, it's stuff, similar enough that you don't have to relearn a whole bunch of stuff. But it's just well, different enough that you can't just pick up your old ASP.NET uh, applications, your ASP.NET 4X applications, and just bring them right over, right? And how different – what has happened, I would say, to the Microsoft Enterprise Developer community that in 2000 you had excitement? And after – you know, watching some things recently, like the Silverlight debacle, the the uh, the Windows 8 debacle, the Universal Windows platform, which you just don't hear a lot of .NET developer shows talking about. 
that excite it's not the same it's the excitement isn't there to be like oh man dotnet core this is going to be great it's going to be cross-platform we could deploy on linux this this .NET native, which we've got to talk about that rename too, where I get native binaries. Where's the excitement? Nobody cares about native anymore. It's all web development, at least in the development world, right? That that's what web developer that's what developers well, are really, enterprise world, yeah. Well, no, no, more more than the enterprise world. I'm, the development world in general is really concentrated on web development, and I'm making that statement without yeah. any backing facts at all. <laughs> It's just it's just everything in, you hear. In Jess's bubble, the web <laughs> is all that people care about. <laughs> At the very least, that's all I ever hear about. I'm not saying that other stuff doesn't happen, but I, I think that's the answer to your question, right? I think this is just one more reinforcement of that. Like they, Microsoft goes up on stage and says, we now have native compilation and crickets because the people who care about native compilation mm-hmm. are in the back. Well, they're probably still in their office working. They didn't even hear the announcement. They're more excited for TypeScript nowadays. <laughs> not getting anything so what out are of the components? So, to answer, yeah, so what are the components of, of uh, ASP.NET so here? This ASP.NET Core 1.0, right? It, it's There's some other renaming that went on too, right? Yeah, So EF, Entity Framework 7 is now Entity Framework Core 1.0 or right. EF Core 1.0 yes. if you want to call it that. <laughs> and EF7 so was EFC. a rewrite. It was a starting over. Rowan yes. Miller made that very clear. Literally from scratch. But again, yep. with, you know, same as the ASP.NET stuff, is that it's still the same uh, code first. It's not supporting it. They completely dropped the EDMX, the, the model based approach, right? Right. Right. So yeah, it's, it's only code true. first, at least for now. And I think that's, that's the only plans they have. I'm not really sure. Um, which is awesome. Because again, I think that's what most people used anyway. But it's 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 lightweight, cross-platform. All of this stuff has a theme. I'll give them that, right? It seems they do have some kind of direction. Yeah. I just wonder what that direction is, right? So are they trying to gain the market share of Node developers who want to code and deploy on Linux? Is that where we're going? Is that what cross-platform means? Well, maybe it's a firewall for the uh, Windows enterprises that are saying they're starting to take the peak, you know? Hey, Linux is free. Linux is cheap. Whatever your, whatever your reasoning is to take a peek, Microsoft's offering you a migration path. Yeah, with skill sets that you pro- might, you know, you already sure. There's going to be some training on this new .NET Core, but hey, you know, if you're a enterprise decision maker, your CTO, VP of development, I think you can see the path forward this way. At least you can see a path forward where what you might have been considering. Is what you just said, Jess, is, well, I guess I'm going to have to tell my developers to just train up on Node and learn. And you're starting to use things that are completely off the rails now. You're, so you're saying, yeah, we're going to use Node. Let's have them have taking a look at Mongo. And pretty soon you're not using yeah. the word Microsoft at all anymore. Not in any. And Microsoft doesn't care because it's Azure. They just want to sell Azure. But now. then what if you'd say, let's, we might as well go to AWS then. Like, what if you just go full Monty, <laughs> right? Well, they're like, just they're banking on Azure, right? They're so, banking on the platform that you will want to choose that over Azure or over Amazon. That's a separate conversation, right? I, I think a couple quick points here. One is, if you look at the bigger picture here, who, who where's the ASP.NET team sit in the world? It sits under Azure, right? So Azure is a cross-platform system, right? It's not just Windows. They can run PHP. They can run Linux. So it makes sense for them to have a story there. They sell CPU cycles in storage. Uh, yes. Yeah. The other big thing is, if you think about the enterprise, 
yeah, everyone buys Windows servers to run ASP.NET and stuff, but that's really not where the money is. The real money is SQL Server, BizTalk Server, SharePoint Server, Active Directory, Exchange. All those things aren't going anywhere. No one's ever replacing Exchange. What they're doing today is they're moving to Office 365 because it's too much trouble to maintain Exchange. So long as Microsoft has a piece, they don't really care where the code runs or where the web framework runs. As long as it's, if it's talking to a SQL server, they're still getting SQL server licenses. So I, I think a lot of that is tied into that whole licensing model thing. Um, and real quick, I just want to jump back into Chris's comment before about why does all the, the excitement change? I think a lot of that's to do with there's been so much stuff in the last 15 years that changed, right? We went from WCF was all the hot thing, and then all of a sudden WCF is gone. Silverlight was a hot thing. Now it's gone. So it's now it's I think we're all burned out from all the changes over time, and we don't really see the value. I think there's good value in what's coming in, in ASEC Core. I think I like the idea of getting rid of all the old stuff. I mean, think about it. In the Core or in the Core, core in .NET runtime, what's in there? Remoting's in there. You're right. There's a lot uh, of crust. ASP2. You're right. There's so much yeah. WinForms. Wind I don't even, need WinForms. There's a lot of sins in there too. I mean, yes. One of the or, things I've, or, I've seen the .NET Core developers say is there are mistakes in key key classes like System Threading, and unfortunately, you can't ever take them out, and so developers keep stumbling into the pit of mistakes. And let's let's get yeah. rid of them once and, and for also all. Keep in mind too that .NET runtime is very much tied to a Windows version, right? Windows version Vista has a certain runtime version. So being able to take it out and tie them or release themselves from that dependency makes a lot of sense. I just think that the, the bigger problem is, is, is the naming. And again, the naming is irrelevant. The naming will fade, will fade away and people will, will get the idea. I think one of the big problems, and I know we're going to want to dive into what is, is that core, is now we have ASP.NET 4.6. Microsoft has a hard time telling people, this is stable, but we're kind of done with it. They seem like they want to play both ends of the, the stick. They're like, look at all the cool new stuff. But we're also at 4.6 over here. I mean, they did it with, with .NET 4.6. They did it with ASP.NET 4.6. They're like, WebForms is still over here. Yep, we didn't get rid of it. They've done it with WPF. They're like, WPF is still over here. It, it's still relevant. We're not going to get rid of it. We're going to support it. But then they went some different direction. It, it, they're doing this across the whole spectrum. That, to me, is the bigger frustration. Um, and there was that was causing even more confusion, right? They were saying we're we're rewriting this ASP not ASP.NET five is a rewrite of ASP.NET, and we're kind of changing the pipeline and all of this stuff. Um, but we're still going to invest. We're still going to have new releases of ASP.NET four point right. six, which again is basically effectively a, a, a completely different framework. It just shared the name, shared the branding. The branding, yeah, right? that's a good and, definition. But, yeah, but it just it just con it confused people. It's close enough. To look incredibly similar, but different enough that it's just really the differences are frustrating. And then you throw on top of it Microsoft saying, we're going to continue to support 4.6. We're going to have new releases, bug fixes, and all of this stuff. And right, what does the next release of 4.6 look right. like? Right, Is that 4.7? Yes. And now they've taken 5 and they can't use it anymore. So you can <laughs> never have a new major release of this or, other or, or it's six, a or it, it's a they'll skip five, go to six, or it's <laughs> ten, or whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going to ten. Um, yeah. I actually honestly think it, it's it's. I mean, you look at it. .NET, hit use core core because I always call it core. Is it's very stable, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot more they have to do to the framework. Them creating a new framework makes sense. Stream it, stream it down. Focus on the things that are relevant in 2016, not 2001, right? We don't need com interrupt in core 
in the core. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Well, they, so the other thing they did here was that they, they, they hit the reset button on the versioning on the versions themselves, the numbers themselves. Right. So everything is now back to one, which I have no problem with. I'm fine with that. That actually makes sense to me. Yeah. But well, so one of the things was they, they introduced ASP.NET MVC many years ago, 2007 or something like that. And so right. MVC has now had its own version. So it's been MVC one and then MVC two and then MVC three, which runs on top of ASP.NET four point oh right and then 4.5 and then 4. 6. <laughs> and yeah and then you throw entity framework in the mix and that's entity framework version six and all of these numbers are mismatched and i think to a community that was used to numbers aligning it was a little bit of a shock but i think frankly we all got over it and it is its own project now and everybody loves that or nougat made it easier. We just we just say nougat gives the latest stuff. We don't care. Exactly <laughs> right. So for it just really makes sense for ASP.NET MVC that framework to be versioned and and live a separate life from the core ASP.NET or from Entity Framework. Right. They are all their own libraries and frameworks, and it makes sense for them to to follow their own revs. And but so now we're hitting the reset button, and now we're all back at one zero again, and we're just kind of reliving that pain. It it I just found it as an interesting reason, right? to hit the reset button and have them all aligned because they're very quickly going to become misaligned. And, and I don't really think anybody's going to care. Yeah. You bring up an interesting thing that I sort of thought about that didn't fully grasp until what you just said. You see, the ASP.NET Core is the core, right? That's the ASP.NET runtime. So now we have MVC Core 1. Yep, MVC That's Core 1. framework on top of the runtime. So someday we'll have right. a single R on top. Yes. They're both using ASP.NET Core. Right. That just sort of makes a little more sense. Again, I think the problem is they didn't explain it. They show a nice picture, but they didn't go into like, hey, this is core, and now we're going to stick these things on top. I mean, the picture Hansman has it doesn't even mention MVC. So it's like, is MVC part of core or is it separate? Let's get let's get into that a little bit. So I'm I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at an InfoQ article here, which we'll link to in the show notes. But it says we need you need to know these terms: core FX. This is the open source version of the .NET base class library. So this is. Basically, the foundation. Like this is your your string classes and your string builder and the file, the I/O namespace and everything that I mentioned before. Right, the the foundational stuff. Um, and then core CLR. This is the open source cross platform runtime. So this is the stuff that actually this is the thing that runs your .NET code, right? And then you've got the .NET core CLI. So this is a new thing. This is the command line interface which is built as the new command line experience for building and deploying cross-platform applications. So this is like this, I, this is node, right? This is instead of going to the command line and typing node XE, you know, no node start or whatever, you now type .net, .net restore, .net start. Well, and now, I mean, I agree with you that it follows the node model, but is there any other way to skin that cat if you want to be truly cross-platform? You want you, you want to run on Mac, you want to run on Linux, you want to run on Windows. Any other way other than command line? Well, you got to have a foundation, that CLI-based foundation. Otherwise, how do you do it? Except you start yeah. releasing a heck of a lot of different binaries, and now you're not really cross-platform. Right. Or you're, you're releasing things are different platforms. Different I think things. it's that lowest common denominator that's a requirement, and yeah. but what has at least confused a lot of developers is that there's a lot of developers out there who are used to sharp tools. They're, you know, they look at Visual Studio as a sharp tool that does a lot for them. And because of the excitement over cross-platform, we've seen an awful lot of command line in our presentations, not just from Microsoft folks, from 
you know, from MVPs and speakers. And it's made a lot of people think like, was, you know, why do I have to take this huge step back? But I don't think that's really what's happening. It's just that that's how you get to cross platform is by having a CLI foundation. Do you need to, I'm one of those presenters, by the way, right? I'm, yeah, I'm the one sure. who jumps to the command line and, and uses it just because that's where I've, I've always felt more comfortable. Do you need to use the command line? I mean, do you think the, the GUI story is going to remain strong? And if you are so inclined, you never have to touch a command line again, assuming you don't have, you're just building for windows, building and deploying on for, for windows. I would think on the windows platform, eventually visual studio or visual code will have all the same things we expect. On the other platforms, who knows? I mean, I would tend to think that it's more the cutting edge people who want command line or more than going to be satisfied just having something work, right? I mean, for me, the idea now that if I have someone come to me and say, hey, we really just don't want to, we don't want to pay for Windows, I don't now have to go, oh, well, let's use WordPress or let's go to Node. I can, like, I have my skill set, I have a platform I can work with and deploy it both places. That's a benefit as a developer to me. But you don't anymore. It's a new framework. Well, no, and then it's, but I can, I can deploy that same thing on Windows and Linux. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I jumped on that statement that, you know, you, you, you know this new framework, but you don't. You just can't make that statement because you don't know the framework. You're going to have a – if you are, and I use this term very, uh, very cautiously, if you're an expert today in ASP.NET, the current ASP.NET 4.6 or whatever it is, you're going to have a learning curve, right? Even an expert in, in today's ASP.NET is going to have some kind of learning curve in getting up to speed on the new ASP.NET. It's not just you just transfer over. But that learning curve is much more manageable than if I went over to Node. At least in my opinion. I guess. Well, I mean, here's the positive about command line. It's, it's a feature we've been sorely missing probably for a decade. Um, how many developers out there even today, throw up their hands and install Visual Studio on the build yeah, server. Right, right. <laughs> now you had to. It wasn't that long ago that that was really your only way to build a build server. But I think today, if you really are willing to dig in, roll up your sleeves, and read a ton of documentation, and dig and dig and dig and Google and Bing and whatever, and Stack Overflow and wade through all the all that, you can. Oh wait, hold on. There's. I don't have to do that anymore. But that's really hard. And so the advantage that I think we will have coming out of this is because the foundation is command line and everything's built on top of that, that kind of gets us to a place where, oh, okay, so I can create a build tool chain without, you know, the heavyweight IDE. At least we should be able to get there. <laughs> I'm not sure that we'll be able to get there today, but I think that's the part of the goal. Um because there's not going to be a Visual Studio in Linux or in Mac, at least not anytime soon. The way we know a Visual Studio, it's too married to Com and Win32. Visual Studio Code. Right, but how long will that take Visual Studio Code? Does it even want to catch up to Visual Studio? Let's be honest. That isn't part of Code's philosophy is to be lightweight. I don't know that it wants to be Visual Studio. I don't think anybody wants to make visual studio again i think even microsoft is a little uncomfortable with how big and bulky it is yeah yeah it's, it's a huge sure. it's a huge memory yeah beast i i kind of always equate it to they really want you to use visual studio to do your development but they don't care where you deploy it right if i'm doing the mocha my development in visual studio 
and then I deploy it off to a server that's Linux, Microsoft makes out. They still get the license for Windows for me. They get the license for Visual Studio. Yeah, I don't think they really care that much about selling Visual Studio licenses. No, I mean, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not important. What's important is market share or mind share, right? I mean, if you go to an enterprise, who are the big players? It's IBM and Microsoft, right? You might have Oracle and some other ones floating around. That mind share is important, right? I mean, they sell thousands and thousands of licenses of SharePoint every year. It's a billion to multi-billion dollar business. So just having that market share is, I think, what's, what's important, which ultimately I think it's back to why they're keeping the ASP.NET name. It's a name. People know what that is, right? If they called it uh, Cobra, <laughs> everyone would be like, what's Cobra? What, what's this yeah, new thing true. from Microsoft? Right. At least having that name. Right, but that's it's backfiring, though, because that's <laughs> not what it is. It just looks a whole lot like it. Yeah. Right? So a, a red panda is not a panda. <laughs> it's just not. It's closer to a raccoon, right? But it's called panda, so they must be. Everybody thinks they're the same. I mean, I'm looking not. at the core FX github repo and i'm seeing you know i'm seeing system io and system link and system.net dot http and system.reflection and some of our, our old friends are here right <laughs> <laughs> there's a few i mean the pipeline change right we don't have handlers and, and modules but i think most developers didn't even use those or even knew they were there you know like you mentioned jess so step one was was core effects we got that far core effects is like the bcl what what else did you that guy say we needed to know? <laughs> Who who's wrote that article again? It's the InfoQ article, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. So I'm I'm really I'm I'm more frustrated about ASP.NET. So the .NET Core stuff, it's awesome. I've got no. Problem and it makes with sense that because that truly is. It makes total sense. It truly is. Let's take the core .NET and 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 just make it run cross platform. The core part, the only parts that are needed. Exactly the the stuff that you, that will be able that makes sense to run cross platform, right? So we're not going to bring in all that com stuff. Everything you were talking about earlier, Todd, right? We're not going to bring in that stuff that just doesn't matter anymore or only matters on Windows because when you're on Mac, it doesn't make sense to do that stuff, right? So we'll leave it all behind. And while we're doing that, we'll also add some new tricks in, like native compilation and stuff like that. All of that is awesome. I have absolutely no problem with that. And that makes total sense to call that .NET Core because it is literally the core of .NET. And now it's open source, right? The 1.0, I mean, whatever. That's still a little bit confusing, but what else are they going to call it? Right? It, it, putting putting the, the number, the version number, resetting the version number on an existing name is going to be confusing no matter, no matter yeah. what you do. But it definitely makes a whole lot more sense to call this thing .NET than it does to call it something else. Yeah. And I don't agree with that at all when it comes to ASP.NET. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think a lot of us who've been kind of playing with this for a little while would be perfectly fine with them giving it a more catchier name. I don't know, like I said, I use the word Cobra. We could probably come up with 100 different names. And if you listen to, I know, Chris, you did actually, I think you, did you attend the the community stand up or just yeah, watch I, I wasn't able to 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 uh, be there live but i i did watch the video after the fact you know pretty because they came they out right an and said we, we we discussed lots of different ways we, we we came that this was the best solution for what we were trying to do we spent time trying to figure out other names and nothing made any sense i just think now we're all going to use core as something bigger than what it is yeah i guess but if you if you look at these those diagrams that you mentioned the diagram on on Hanselman's blog Todd earlier yeah so we have this stack of stuff and there is um there are things that are just 
side by side, meaning they're replacements, right? And so you have the .NET Core libraries and the .NET Framework libraries, side by side replacement. You have .NET Framework 4.6 and .NET Core 1.0, side by side replacement, meaning you can take one out and like literally drop it in with the other one. And that other one, the .NET Core stuff, the new stuff, might have 60% of the API, but the 60% that's there pretty much exactly matches, more or less, what the existing one is, right? It's a drop-in drop replacement. And then you get up to the next level, which is the ASP.NET level, and now you have this, this is where the confusion comes in because it's not the same framework, right? So now you say, well, ASP.NET 4.6 only runs on .NET Framework 4.6, but ASP.NET Core 1.0 runs on .NET Framework 4.6 or .NET Framework Core 1.0, and they're interchangeable, and blah, 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 blah. It'd be easier if you said, we have this framework called Shazam. <laughs> And it runs on .NET 4.6, and it runs on the new .NET Core. Well, you can let me call it Shazam.net. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, sure, Shazam.net. Right? But, I mean, it's, it's a whole lot easier to digest. So should they have called it Node.net? <laughs> yeah. And then you can write everything in TypeScript. Well, yeah. I mean, at Bridge, when ASP.NET was first come out, you could write things in JavaScript on the server. I don't think anyone ever did. I didn't yeah. want to do it. I mean, what do, do you, what do you guys think about that? Am I just am I in my own bubble here, or do I get any? No, support I with this? I think you're right, and it would be clear from a messaging standpoint if that was because it'd be clear. Like, this is something new. There are a lot of people that are like this seems totally different to me. I don't know even know where to begin. So having a new name, I think would 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 be better than calling it core. So I, I don't know. I I feel like um, there's just a lot of confusion and a lot of different things going on. It just it's it's crazy. The other thing that concerns me, and, and maybe it's when I when I think about the universal apps, this picture looks a lot like the universal app stuff, where everything was .rt, right? When when it, Windows 8 first came out, everything was .rt, and it, it almost feels like, are we just doing that same thing? And then eventually RT goes away, and next version in a year or two we'll have ASP.NET Universal apps. Well, hold on, hold on. So now there is. There's a core RT. I left it out earlier because I didn't want to talk about it, but there's a core RT. So well, yeah, I saw that too, and I'm like, the, no, you've already used that branding, and it didn't work. In the core, in the uh, InfoQ article, we've got core RT. This is right underneath core CLR. So core CLR is the open source cross-platform runtime. Core RT is the runtime used by the natively compiled version of .NET. It's best known for its use in Windows Phone. So you guys were familiar with this. I had not even heard of this before this this the, all this hoopla but yeah. you guys were previously this was like a thing previously core yeah. rt well dot net native was anyways yeah it was sort of a thing so they wanted they needed a new runtime right dot net really didn't work but they still wanted to use xaml to build phone apps or or tablet apps windows 10 apps i guess you called them now windows universal so you have this thing called runtime which allows you to interrupt into parts of dot net and a lot of it was tied into this idea of security that a phone or something, an app that goes in the store is a different kind of app. We didn't need the full .NET runtime, so they built a new runtime, and it was called Windows RT. But they also released a version of their Surface computer called Surface RT, and again, it ended up being all this confusion. <laughs> well, I mean, and I don't think any of that has to do with .NET Native, though. I mean, so yeah, you're right. There was WinRT, which was was presented yeah, to us developers as the new. The new runtime that was what it had, it had like language projection because it could take .NET, it could take C++, it could take JavaScript. And that's when people started, people started saying .NET is dead. Like they started saying, oh, well, that must mean .NET is dead. But, but I'm talking, what I'm thinking about is I've seen whispers at the last couple build conferences 
of something called .NET Native, and, and it's the kind of thing that would just show up in a whisper or in a in a little quick sidebar with uh, with uh, Dan Fernandez or something, and and it would be these really brilliant engineers who who would come on and talk about how yes we're working to make .NET compile down to a native binary, and then they would show you look how fast um, it starts up because it's native it's, it's not it doesn't need to bootstrap the the runtime it doesn't need to bootstrap you know all the the VM whatever. And, and then they said, well, when is this coming to developers? Oh, eventually. And then I think if I'm understanding this renaming correctly, that's .NET native is now being called core RT and, and they're using the term ahead of time compilation. So is that just a tool? Is that just a, a compiler? Is that a different way to compile my app? So today I compile it with, with the, 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 the normal .NET compiler and the, or with Rosalind or whatever I'm compiling it with, but then when I want to create a, 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 dot, a, a native version of it, I use this executable? I mean, it, is this anything I have to care about when I'm developing my application? Do I have to code differently? I don't think so. I think, at least where my understanding was, well, you just code to core.net, and then you now can basically compile your code to native code and then deploy it natively. Okay, so I only ever need to care about this if I actually care about native application yeah right that's my understanding i mean core rt is the runtime uh, .NET native is still the the compilation tool chain so right so it's the core rt is the thing that runs inside of the executable that's produced is that yeah i would take that it's equivalent kind of to like to think the, of the old days you said the vb runtime this is yeah. the actual runtime when right, you compile right. natively this is what executes it all right I that makes sense think. i guess Right. right. So, as, but as a developer it doesn't change the way i code or think about my code or anything i don't this think is more so a runtime concern don't think so. Not, I mean, the logical conclusion is we start running across different platforms. We have the same problem that Java has, right? Right wants to bug everywhere. <laughs> Something will be work great on my Windows development machine, but now I've deployed it to some Linux distro and the threading model is slightly different or there's a memory leak and now I have to figure out what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if you can't, you can't ignore it, but from a coding day-to-day -day coding thing, you probably don't have to master it or understand all so the So there's a, a site at at .net, spelled D-O-T-N-E-T, dot github.io, which is the .net core site. And the way they describe it on there is they say .net core manages memory with a garbage collector, compiles your code with a JIT compiler, or ahead of time with .net native. So it is that whole idea of saying, you know, instead of the just-in-time compilation model that we've all become accustomed to and, and expecting that little performance hit on startup, you know, we think we can get rid of that or, or whatever. Yeah. So my question is, who among us is is just chomping at the bit to start using MVC as a server side web framework with views, or is it? Well, yeah. I mean, I might use it. I might use .NET, and I might even use ASP.NET and C Sharp, and I might even use this MVC core. But I'm going to use it to write web APIs. How common? Yeah. How common is that sentiment right now? I, I don't. I'm not sure if I've ever said this on the on the podcast before, but I, in the very early uh, days of uh, it was called ASP.NET V Next back then, we had a hackathon and everybody got into a room and at, at nine o'clock we started nine a.m. and then at noon at lunchtime, I paused and I realized that I had spent half of my morning writing my Angular app and the other half of my morning writing my web API. Yeah, using controllers and. ASP.NET MVC as just 
handling back data and and I was never rendering a view. All of my views were static HTML and JavaScript spas. I'm not sure how representative of that is in the world. I mean, I know in my current organization we are pushing hard for all of our server side stuff that's being actively you know maintained and 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 increased or um, you know new features being added to go more toward a, toward a spa model. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've done the last two, two and a half plus years. Occasionally we do something server side. Well, I mean, I think that's partially true. Certainly, if you just kind of scour the internet, you're going to see that's where, I mean, what magazine are you going to pick up that's going to be talking about server side web development? Sure. And that goes for anything. Sure. Forget Microsoft. For, I mean, that talks about like, you know, spring over in the Java world or something, you know, that right. it's all become... Oh my gosh, you should be learning Angular. But I still think there's a lot of web development shops out there that are, that maybe, maybe some of it is that they don't have the training or it's just like, do we really need this for our little website? I, I don't know. There, we may be in a little bit of a bubble there being on a, a leading edge. I think it mostly comes down to what you're most productive in, right? If you're most productive, especially when you're creating that little stupid app, right? If you're most productive in, in, in writing a spa and you're not, you don't have any major kind of performance concerns of shipping data back and forth and everything, then, you know, it's just write what you know, um, which I also think is a big reason for, for node really taking off because if you're writing web applications in the browser, you know, JavaScript. And right. so as you long keep as you using yeah, it. just keep using it, it just makes sense. Right. right. And even in this completely spa world, there's still room for server side rendering. It's just far less. I mean, there, we, they, we, I don't even know how to refer to it. Well, I'm just going to call it MVC next because that makes, makes the most sense to me. They're adding tag helpers. When the, when the intent of basically helpers required you to put a lot of C-sharp code right, in, a lot of in HTML, code, yeah. where, where tag helpers basically makes it, you can make any tag yes. in C-sharp code. Pretty much, so yes. it's much more straightforward. Yes. It's much cleaner. It's a more declarative way. Yeah, it's more declarative. Yeah. Um, I mean, all that's kind of cool and, and interesting. And I, I know in the, the stand-up call, they actually were talking about something called visual components or view components or something. They were talking about something else that sounded like it was is part of Embassy uh, V next too. So I think those are closer to user controls. The visual components. Yeah, maybe I wasn't sure. I wanted, I wanted Con- to go look it up. Conceptually, they're basically just user controls. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people try to do too much is they want this, I'm X or Y. You need to build the right solution for the right, the right solution for the right problem you have. And you can intermix them. There's no reason you can't intermix them. Uh, well, I agree with you. And I think one thing that I don't know what's, I don't know if it has to do, I don't know what it is, but it's, there does seem to be this mind shift that there's a lot of people out there promoting a right way to do things. And then they argue like, oh, well, this, you want to do everything this way. You'd, you'd always want to use React. And say, so, okay, I, I <laughs> guess. I mean, really? I mean, what if I'm, and I like using the live.asp.net site as an example, because as Damian Edwards pointed out, it, it, it's there's nothing really super special about it. He, in fact, hated the fact that he needed model view controller, right? uh, putting words in his mouth. But I'm pretty sure that's what he said on the standup was, you know, why why couldn't this have been with the old web pages type model? Just a little bit of code in line in some static looking HTML. And voila, all I'm doing is showing you YouTube um thumbnails that's all i'm doing here i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not building a, a site to go shopping for cars and change the interior and something really really yeah. immersive you don't need a server side stack really to make all that work yeah yeah so 
it's uh it's interesting to me to see you know there's a lot of investment going into reimagining the server side stack and reimagining EF and if you're really embracing cloud if you're really really embracing it are you even thinking a database server anymore or are you starting to think about just some you know table simple storage whether it's Amazon's or Azure's table storage or I don't know so I'm going to refer back to something that just a few podcasts ago gave me me credit for about the first time we heard about cloud. Servers or architecture is the solution to many problems. To me, cloud is just an, another implementation of that. So I always think of endpoints. Yeah. Now the endpoint may be a MongoDB database somewhere, or maybe some other NoSQL database, or right. Amazon, whatever. But to me, if you think in a layered end-tier architecture, and you think in this is just an endpoint, you then decide: All right, am I building this endpoint myself, or I'm going to consume something that's already available? Right. Well, and you when you take that that uh, thought path a little bit further. That's kind of where we're going with the idea of microservices is that each of those endpoints. Yeah, could be I mean, that's a, exactly what they are. It's a, yeah, it's a deployable unit and it doesn't matter what the implementation is. So one endpoint, one microservice could be .NET, one could be .NET Core and another could be Node and they all just, they interact right through through standard interfaces. I mean, Service IE, Bus and all right. the other ones, they kind of have that same mentality. It's orchestration and stuff like that. Yeah, so. right. But my question is... What, the the reason I use .NET now is because I'm familiar with it and because I have a whole Windows Server infrastructure. Once I go to the cloud, why would I choose and I and I choose Linux for whatever reason? Why would I choose .NET instead of Node? Right? If I'm already writing web applications and I'm I'm already becoming an, an expert and I'm using air quotes with with JavaScript on the client side and the DOM. Why wouldn't I just jump onto the server and continue on? And yes, you don't just need to know JavaScript. You need to know the Node framework and the Node APIs and and everything there. But um, other than learning a new framework, why wouldn't I use that? Right. In other words, I'm, I'm attacking the cross-platformness of of .NET. Yeah. Right? By the time I'm going to Linux, why do I want to bring .NET along with me? Is it is the only reason because yeah. I already know it? I actually have a case where this is something I'm I'm considering over the next year and depending on the stability of what is now ASP.NET core, we may go down that path or we may have to look at something else. And that's simply, we, I, I, I have a situation where we have an existing .NET code base and people have started to come and ask, well, you know what? It'd be nice if we could run this in our Java environment and they don't really care what it's written in. They just want to be able to run this on non windows. So to me, that story makes sense, right? I could have one core code base that I could run on .NET 4.6 and .NET Core, and then deploy it wherever I need to or wherever the customer chooses to deploy it, right? That makes a lot of sense. These are native apps you're talking about. Oh, this is server-side. Talk talking about server-side. The- server-side, web applications? Web applications, yes. So why do they care about that? Well, they, they don't have existing – their infrastructure is all Java-based. So Linux, Java, they don't have Windows servers. Yeah. So when they want to use this product we have – they now need to deploy a Windows Server to make it work today. Just seems like buying that product is well. An I mean, so well, yeah, well, that's, that's a whole other story, right? But I mean, <laughs> I use I use SharePoint as an example, even though they probably will never make SharePoint work with .NET Core, right? If SharePoint ran on Linux, it would be cheaper to buy SharePoint because <laughs> you wouldn't need a Windows license um, or WordPress or anything you would you would potentially could have could be rewritten in in, in there. I think for the most part, most people are going to pick one, right? They're gonna they they pick a platform. I think. People pick their server host on Windows, so I'm going to write in .NET, more than they pick the framework. Like, I don't, I'm not using That's Windows exactly because I'm writing .NET. I'm writing .NET because I'm using Windows. 
That's exactly my point. So why would I use crossplatform.net? Well, specifically partially because it's there. That's partially why, right? And but second, I think Microsoft's going to have to win a battle of performance here. And you can see the ASP.net team's already doing that. They they've they've crossed a million requests per second threshold. They believe that there's no reason why they can't compete with, you know, Java frameworks that are doing similar numbers. And, uh, you know, the core CLR team or uh, the .NET core team, I think they're going to have to to kind of eventually fight that battle too and say, you're not just picking us because you're familiar with .NET on Windows. It's because we're also offering you something you're not going to get with Java on Linux or with Node on Linux. And, and I think they're going to have to make that case. They might not have to make it this year, but at some point, I, I do think part of this is establishing a beachhead in Linux. So what is that case? Can you make that I, I case? I think the case eventually... Okay, so remember how the case always used to be with Microsoft that uh, we run best on Windows, things run best on Windows, right? Um, I think eventually the case that's going to have to be made is .NET runs, is beating the pants off other people on Linux. And and I think that's what the core team is going to work on. They're going to work towards that day. I don't I don't think they can just throw it on Linux and say like, okay... Because you've got to change yeah. some people's minds. You've got to so change. So the case is performance. That's one. That... I think that's. I don't think that's the 2016 story. The 2016 story is it works and Windows well, sure, devs. Sure. You yeah. can move it's, your. You can preserve exists, your. It's, it's about preserving investment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But in the future, in order to remain relevant, I think that is going to have to be a front that's opened up because you can't just simply go invest in these other platforms and not eventually try to get mindshare for actually really living on those platforms. Otherwise, why did you do it? I don't, I don't think that holds up. The performance argument holds up. I don't think people really care about performance that much at that level. Right. So the difference between 300,000 and 500,000 requests. Well, I per think second. that one of the things the ASP.net team found out is they weren't twice as slow. They were 20 times slower, but they have been right this whole time. And it's right. still incredibly successful framework. That's exactly my point. And so, we're focusing on that, right? And so we're saying if one of the selling points is speed on Linux, I've already got that with, let's say, Node, right? Or, or these other frameworks that are incredibly fast, right? If, if performance is my top priority, I'm going to go and pick a high-performing framework and learn it and use it. Well, is it super easy for a, a shop to just, I mean, a big enterprise to just say, okay, we've got this army of .NET developers and what are we going to do, retrain them? Well, we're re retraining anyway, right? That's the point I was making earlier is that, you know, this is a new framework and it looks a whole lot like the old framework, but we're retraining anyway, especially in the enterprise. But isn't that, but isn't that learning curves much more manageable, right? I mean, when I went from web forms to MVC, there was stuff I had to learn, but I still had system.web, right? I could sell HP context. There was familiarity there. It wasn't like I had to run a, run a whole other platform. I, and the funny thing is, I actually think developers once they start using this, they're going to continue. Most will end up continue running on Windows. They'll never run on Linux because they they don't have that need. But by having people get to this level, what Microsoft has done is now they've made it so like, hey, if your boss all that comes to you and says, you know what, we're going to go build a new logging service or whatever else you need, and you have to deploy it to Linux, you don't now have to go learn something else. You already have these core skills. Just write it in an ASP.NET Core. 
and then deploy it. I'm I'm not getting these scenarios, right? I, I don't have a boss where today I'm I'm deploying to oh. a Windows server and tomorrow he's going to come and and ask me to de- make a Linux solution. <laughs> well, I, again, I think every situation is different. I I ultimately take all this is about Azure, right? Azure is a cross-platform environment. They want to own when you run on Azure, they like you to run in .NET. They don't care what OS it is. I'm not even sure I agree with that. They they want you to run Azure and they want to use their CPU cycles. What do they care what framework you're using? No, but having that story, they got to have a story, right? If you have a story, it's much. Then Chris said a bit, why not go to Amazon? If I have a story that says our .NET runs on every platform super fast on Azure, pay us to keep it running on Azure as opposed to picking up Node and going to, to yeah, AWS. Why not, just, why not just pick up and go to AWS? I mean, there's a little bit of mindshare here. It's, is you're showing leadership and convincing people to, well, boy, you know, let's just let's just stick with Microsoft all the way through. On Windows. Well, who cares? We'll stick with Microsoft all the way through on, on using Azure. And, and here's the other thing about Azure, right, is there's a whole lot of platform as a service that a lot of people are still reluctant to look at. When Now, now I don't care what it's running. Quite literally, when when you deploy using, let's just pick in something, uh, you know, like Azure Azure Service Fabric or something. Who cares? Like, do you even want to know what Azure Table Storage is running on top of? Does it matter to you? It might be Windows, it might not. As long as it works, and as long as it, it works, do. and that's yeah. the but that's the path story. That's the the platform as a service story, and I still think that I mean, I mean, Microsoft could. I'm just trying to figure out why are they doing the cross platform? They can't just be for their health. There, there's got to be. And in fact, considering that they've got the .NET team cranking on .NET Core, you know, there's folks like like if you watch the uh, the videos from MVP Summit that are on Channel Nine, you see Stephen Tobe coming up on stage to talk about the Linux work. You know, here's the guy who was out there talking about a sync await and was kind of one of the masterminds talking about the the task parallel library a pretty top level sharp guy why there there's there's a definitely a, a, i don't think they're just doing this it's not a, a feature to check a box there's some plan here and i think some of it is to push developer mindshare out past windows because it's probably one big giant hedge you know what which of these things is going to become irrelevant over the next decade is it going to be .net is it going to be windows is it going to be ASP.net, I, I don't know. Any of them? All of them? None of them? Yeah. I, I think, too, some of it is also, think about it. If they didn't do this, what would they be doing? What in, what in ASP.net or, or regular.net do they need to do, right? They can give us new type, uh, more libraries and things like that, but ultimately it kind of like, it does everything we needed to do or does 90% of what we needed to do. So I think some of it has to do with the fact that they need to keep building things, right? We're developers. If we don't keep building new things, it, you lose market share. That's just the nature of things. Something else, too, I thought was interesting is what was Azure's big thing a couple years ago? They made Node. They rewrote Node to read as fast as possible on Azure. And once they had it, they're like, hmm, at least this is my opinion. They're like, hmm, now we have this. I wonder if we can make .NET do this and make it really fast and put it on Linux. Uh, we're back to the performance thing. I just don't think performance is top on, on people's mind. Well, ultimately scale, right? I mean, all this is – and even think about this too. They changed the name. What are people doing today? They're talking about it. By just talking about that positive or negative, right? There's no idea of, a, of negative news. By just talking about it, it gets – market share. Things are happening. 
that if they were just sitting around going, oh, we're going to release SP5 for Visual Studio 2013 today, people are like, whatever, it, I don't really need it. they got to keep releasing new stuff. It's just the nature of the software business. You're, you're not saying they just did this rename as a marketing gimmick, or that was one of the reasons. No, I don't, I I don't think, think so. I think that right now is, is part of marketing gimmick. I, I think that the, the fact is, is every time they go out to talk about this, they get a lot of blank stares, and they've noticed it, and they understand it, and their community partners are screaming at them. People yeah. like MVPs are screaming at them saying, I, I can't message this. I'm going to user groups and everyone's crickets in the room, blank stares. No one understands it. So they took another stab at it. Yeah. And this doesn't well, help. So could they have done anything? Like, did they do damage today? How's that? Did, do you think they did any damage? I, I think they probably took a step in the right direction. Maybe a painful step, right? But maybe... What else? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes if you really stop and think about it, what else were they going to do? And we've been using the, they, they've talked about calling it Foo 1.0. We talked about calling it ASP.NET Shazam, which is the same thing as Foo. Just <laughs> yeah, insert, whatever. insert name here. I, I guess let's look at it this way. If they have core and then they start building MVC on top or any other pieces, web pages, right? You put web pages on or signal R on top of core and they have their own version numbers. It makes more sense. If everything is in the umbrella of core, Three years from now, they're going to be like, well, we got to call it something else because it's more in core now. It's Shazam. It's everything. I, I agree that there's a danger. There's a danger even calling .NET .NET Core for that reason. I, I completely agree with you there. Is Where does the division side? What, Are we now going to have what happens if someday, .NET Core yeah, ADO? <laughs> someday somebody decides. Is Core just an, another piece of the, of the namespace? Right. Some smart people at Microsoft figure out that they can get, and I'm going to pick on it, they can get WPF running cross-platform. <laughs> now is it .NET yep. Core because you've gotten a graphical <laughs> environment running? I mean, let's just say that was figured out, right? Yeah. So is it still .NET Core? I, I agree with you that there's <laughs> there's some funny weirdness there, but you know, by then maybe it'll have a new name like Shazam or something. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, one, one more thing before, before we get close to wrapping up. One thing I think is very hard uh, or needs to be figured out, and hopefully maybe some of it will with with the renaming is it's very hard to figure out today. Do certain things work, right? I had a, a developer came to me. He's like, hey, I see there's any framework tied into to Phoenix, but I don't want to use any framework. I want to talk to a MySQL database. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if you can just use Core ADO. And it was almost impossible to find that answer. I came across something called SQL Common, which I think is part of .NET Core, but it's very confused to me whether it is or not. Yeah. So I think that's the bigger pain point. The name people will get over. Right. It's going to be as all right, I want to use this. I'm used to working with ADO.net or I'm used to doing whatever, WCF stuff, whatever framework you're used to doing doesn't exist. Right. No, I and totally agree. if it doesn't agree. exist, what do I use? That to me, I think is the bigger pain point. Right. I mean, as we looked, as I looked in CoreFX, I saw a system.data.sql client. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, go to that. Go to that uh, .net .github.io. There's an API reference, and it's yeah, there's a yeah. SQL there's a SQL Server class. Yeah, sure. There's a data reader, and it's very convenient. They actually have the source. You actually can see the source on GitHub. It's that is cool. that is actually kind of nice for those times when you wonder what's happening underneath. But let me ask you guys this: uh, How excited are you for the days when you're pulling source down from GitHub? Is that gonna be a thing, or are we gonna say no, no, no? I don't want to get. That's not where I want to live. That's how Node I does know. it. That's a common thing in the Linux community is we'll just build from source, <laughs> right? Like, why can't you build from source? You're a developer. And it's... Well, I'm not, I'm not saying build from source. I'm saying you have these packages of pre-compiled binaries, but they represent the current 
source that's in GitHub, right? They are one in this. They're they're not literally the same. They are outputs. They're compiled outputs, but it is the same thing that you can go and see. And a lot GitHub. of people build from source anyway in that world. So from my point of view, I've always had a sort of caution of a dead, double-edged sword the minute that .NET became open source. It's like, cool, this is great. If I have a problem, I can fix it. But then I started thinking, like, there's lots of crazy developers out there. They're going to fork that code and think they can create this master thing, and all of a sudden I'm going to be stuck trying to support whatever they've created. So I can see Enterprise One having their own version of .NET Core, whatever we're talking. So I think, like anything else, it potentially could become a nightmare. I agree. Because there isn't one true thing. Can can we as a podcast, as a team right now, go on record and say, do not ever fork the, the .NET framework or <laughs> .NET Core and make changes and, and have your own version? Even though no, that's if you want to whole... work on something, you work with them to get it put into the, exactly. the, core, the core library. That's the whole idea of <laughs> open the core source library. is that you Don't can Don't go fork. forking it and create the, the Shazam <laughs> yeah. .core.net library. Just, just and, don't do it. But you know it's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. But and then is, it's going to be even more confusing. I don't I will think it will. Some developer will go somewhere I, and he'll be like, I got the code from GitHub. And then I'll come over and I'm like, wait a minute, this is Shazam's version of, of .net. You're not using the right thing. I really don't think that will. I, I you know, It may happen here. Who knows? I mean, I'm using the extreme lines, example. I do think yeah. it's nice to be able to, to have the source easy to look at, though. Because a lot of times yes. you can learn from uh, yeah. the way things work. You say like, well, gosh, I wonder how... I wonder how SQL client is doing something because yeah. uh, that seems really important. And then you go look and you yeah. go, oh, wow. And it might lead you down a. Yeah. yeah this a is how path. Microsoft does it. And all of a sudden, Jesus things like, hey, I didn't even know that existed in the library. I, I, I think, in, in a nutshell, us talking about it was a good thing because I, I think for a while, a lot of people were kind of t- taking a step back and sort of waiting for RTM to come out. And I kind of, the, the bigger picture to me is when this comes out, whether it's. Q1 this year, Q2, whatever comes out, is it really something I can use today? Or am I going to have to wait a year for more stuff to come in there in order to be able to use it? Yeah. And you, listener, what do you think? Uh, Does this this renaming help you at all, or is it all very confusing? I mean, are you going to use it? Are you going to use it in Linux? Are you excited about the cross-platform stuff? Uh, We'd love to know. Please leave a comment on the website, staticvoidpodcast.com. Or send an email to comments at staticvoidpodcast.com. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please feel free to let us know through those same channels. We want to make sure that we're talking about the things that you want to hear about. So, Todd, Chris, thanks for the chat. Yeah, yeah thank you. That was good. And thank you, listener, for spending the time with us. We hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Static Void Podcast. Dot core. Yeah, dot core.net 1.0.